Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hold My Bread. I'm your host, Elon Thrust, aka Ranch, because I be dressing with your other host, Joel. In the words of the immortal Ting Tings, that's not my name. That's not my name. My name is Joel Walkowski, a.k.a. Joel Walkowski Snowboard, if you're feeling modern. Hey, what up, breadheads? Gather around. Let us join the gluten gang, for it is time to carbo load. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the $3,194.38 podcast and it's not just me. It's not just the Backman Jones, creator of the Backman Snow Cone. That's when you uh, fill a super spot with crushed ice and then pee in it. And then, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that we have a special guest here today. He is the producer who used to hate us, but now he's a day trader. Please welcome Richie Tolway. Oh, Richie. wow. Wow. Thanks for having me, guys. We're Thank so happy to have you on. Thanks for being on. And like, Richie, I know you've come a long way from us doing a podcast in your living room, which, well, it was a studio. So we also did a podcast in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your yeah, bed. In my bed. But, you know, I wanted to have a conversation with a full-time day trader. And I understand that you made the transition. You were doing a lot of trading and... You know, just generally how it's been for you and what the pratfalls and benefits might be to some of our listeners. Oh boy, where do I where do I even start? Um, well, yeah, look, I mean, I've go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. <laughs> and we'll just do a general overview. We'll spend the hour like talking about how your life has changed and shifted, and like I think a lot of our listeners are people in like a similar boat to you or me. I'm just more conservative than the average trader, so I think sure. you'd be a great guest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's just, you know, with like, I'm just like the run of the mill, everybody that that's been bored at home. And, you know, I've like, I've traded a while in the past. I've done stocks and whatnot. Um, I've obviously gambled with you a ton. Uh, but then I just, I, I did, you know, start studying options and, uh, just kind of got into it while I was bored. I, I, my first trade, I guess in quarantine was I invested a ton of money, I think close to $16,000 in, uh, airline stocks. And that was the day before Warren Buffett came out and said that those are the least investable things ever. And I think I wiped out about half of that and lost eight grand overnight. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's all about bad timing, right? And then Warren, uh, well, one person's words screwing you over make, make that a little bit more painful. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that was just when I was still trading with stocks. And that's when I learned more about options. Have you guys covered options at all in this show a little yeah. bit? Well, we do, but I've kind of taken the track in past weeks where I feel like you should only trade options if you really know what you're doing. Like right. the, way, the way I see options marketed by Robinhood in particular feels very irresponsible to me. Yeah, absolutely. It 100% is. It's uh, being thrust upon so many people that have no idea what they're doing. And not to say that I'm not one of those people. I'm maybe a little bit smarter than the average person. Uh, when let's it comes back to up. Let's, sure. let's get into your qualifications. Don't you have a business degree? Don't yeah. you successfully operate a business? 
Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, you know, an entrepreneur for years now, uh, working for myself. So I do have some qualification there. I did a lot of investing back in college, uh, took some like higher level finance classes. One of my teachers was actually the like financial consulate diplomat to Finland or whatever. Um, he had like the, the fun license plates where he can just park on the sidewalk and nobody can ticket you. So I learned a lot from wow. him. Yeah, it was great. And, that, and I was going to school during the t- 2008 financial crash and like really heavily invested in the stock market. So I had seen these momentous, I'd seen this crash and this momentous comeback uh, work play out before. So I saw that kind of happening again and I've just kind of gotten into that. And so. you've seen it, you've seen it kind of from the inside and from an angle that a lot of people didn't get to see. So you probably have insights that other people have never even, um, that never even got to, you know what I mean? Like the, you have, you have insight that so many people haven't gotten to experience. So you really have an eye for what, uh, what to expect. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember in class, like it was in class during the, the, you know, 2008 financial crisis and, my like the the finance class was literally just my professor screaming about stocks in the front of the class. He's like Citibank, Citibank with blah 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 millions of dollars in assets, blah blah blah. This their balance sheet and that and that. He goes, they're trading for three dollars a share. He's like, all day long I'll buy Citibank. And you look Citibank now, it's you know a couple hundred bucks a share. They recovered, everything recovered perfectly fine. And so I saw this huge you know collapse again, and I'm like, I'm just gonna watch this all kind of recover. And of course my bets initially were on airlines. And that didn't happen so quickly. Um, but, you know, then I just kind of started digging into options a little bit more. I got involved with a couple of Discord groups. Again, this is, you know, what a lot of people are doing. It's these, like, I do think that the top is almost in if we're, it's not already in. Like, we're up past pre-COVID levels and everything else. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of, like, the Bitcoin craze uh, in 2017, when everybody, you know, when your grandma's coming to you talking about buying Bitcoin, that's when you know the top is in. And at this point, when every single person on TikTok is a, an options trader and they want to like hand you over the keys to financial success and blah, blah, blah. It's like the top is, you know, probably coming in pretty soon. But right. Do you think this is a full-time thing for you? Or are you just taking advantage of a volatile chapter in the U.S. financial history? Um, I do think that I, I do think I'm probably just opportunistically doing this. Um, I saw an opportunity and I'm just kind of capitalizing on it while I can. Um, I don't, I, I do see, you know, a period of volatility probably over the next year. I do think there's going to be swings to be made. And, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a, one trading group that just focuses on catalyst plays. And those are the um, like pharmaceutical FDA approvals and everything. So they're just tracking those. And, so you know, what, what is a capitalist play? Is that like when something hits the market, they do that kind of trading or? Uh, no, catalyst. Oh, catalyst play. So when something yeah. starts, sorry, my recording conditions are less than ideal today, <laughs> just like they were last week. If anyone listened this week, who listened last week, we've somehow gotten worse, but we sound great. Don't we, Matt? We sound great. Absolutely. No echo. There's nobody uh, showing your apartment currently. There's nobody you have to explain yourself to. I might have to explain myself to my fiance if she has to use the bathroom. For those who can't see me, which is all of you, because this is in fact a podcast, which is in fact in audio format. And, uh, you know, it has been a journey and I'm on my floor of my bathroom because Richie's here in person and we can't be in the same room because our echoey pickup and we... I am on the floor of my bathroom 
wrapped in a blanket and I am sweating so profusely right now. And we're only about five minutes into the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, if I die because of this podcast, our 50 listens a week will absolutely be justified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so what do you think that... um, like you, what, well, I think one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and one of the things that I've tried to take into account in just in my life in general is, is like, if you lose a, you know, you get a bad beat on gambling or you got a bad beat in the stock market, you try your best to take a lesson from it. What do you think you learned from the, did you learn anything from the airlines, the miss on the airline stuff? Well, yeah. And that was, you know, that was kind of a buying and holding the way I, the way I look at a lot of stock trading and swing trading in general, it's a lot of buying and hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a whole lot that goes into it. So I, you know, I, I said, let me try to take control of this a little bit more. And that's when I started doing the day trading. Right. And, um, for those that don't know, day trade is when you open and close a position, you buy and sell the same stock in a 24, you know, in the same trading day. Right. So yeah, you're allowed to that, do that. That's what? actually the opposite pro, uh, approach that I kind of have. Like I'm old school. I'm buy and hold. I am a bogle head. So I think you kind of get good companies, you hold them on and like, for, to do your trading, it absolutely works and is successful, but it's a pretty big time con- commitment, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're waking up pre-market. You're looking at everything, what's going on with the you know, macro level and then what's happening, you know, just within that company, within, you know, just the market sentiment in general. So there's a lot of research that goes into it beforehand and it is a lot of chasing, but... Um, so with the stock trading rules, what they allow you to do, you're allowed to do three-day trades in any five-day period. Um, everybody's allowed to do that. You're allowed to do a few day trades, but it has to be less than three or three or less in a rolling five day period. Once you go over that, you have to maintain $25,000 minimum in your account um, or else you won't be able to trade anymore. So I've gone through that with a couple different brokers where I will put like, you know, I put um, 30 grand into one account, got it up to like 66,000 and pulled some of it out. And I was just back trading with like, I know how are those returns. Well, I mean, how 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 do, how do Mike? My, my next question: How do you keep trading after you double your money? How are you not drunk on an island? Oh wait, you're not allowed to leave the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I this s- was over. This was over a period where I was like helping. I was waking up early to trade stocks, and then I was doing work at my parents' house. And I was there working for like an entire week, and they paid me like a couple thousand for the work. And while I was there, I think I made something like 18 grand trading stocks. Yeah, I I saw you during that. And I think I talked about seeing you on the podcast, how you you made $6,000 the day I saw you. And I think the day you left, you lost all the money you'd (laughs) made. Exactly. Well, it's like gambling. When you're hot, you're you're when you're hot. You don't stop when you're hot. People don't stop when they're winning. You know, like yeah, you, yeah, you exactly. made that money, so you're like, all right, if I, if I made this much this quickly, I can make more than that even faster, maybe. Right, but essentially, I realized that the getting getting the permission to day trade. So once you have twenty five thousand in your account, you can do as many day trades as you want. You can sit there and trade all day long. But there are transaction fees that happen in this. And so I found myself, I've, what I've learned through my day trading over the last several months is that when I have the ability to, I just day trade like crazy and I'm, I'm opening positions, I'm closing them way too fast. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like getting all these alerts and notifications for all these different things that are gaining momentum. And before I know it, my entire portfolio is in the market. 
and you know I close out half of them because I get scared and then no one's happy except for my broker who just made a couple hundred bucks in transaction fees right right so day trading is kind of you know you got to be careful with it and that's kind of the lesson I've taken with it is I'm just slowly you know taking a little more time I'm in one account now I can I have enough in there to day trade but I'm not allowing myself to actually uh, ever break that you know there'd have to be a really good reason like you know the entire market tanking for me to start actually closing out positions I just opened up. Right, right. Well, like Joel said, I mean, I think that's just the difference between like you are and you said it and I would obviously you just explained it, but you're a day trader as opposed to Joel, who is like more of an investor. And I feel like I kind of walk the line of like, I, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, did you see the, all the Kodak stuff? I'm sure you saw that. I opened up a position on Kodak early in the morning. I watched it jump up a hundred dollars and I sold it in another, you know, a couple hours I made, I only made a hundred dollars. I didn't make anything huge, but still like I, I look for stuff like that. And I mean, you're obviously doing that on a whole other level than I am, but that's, that's kind of the basis of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, and if you had been trading options, not for nothing, but like on the day where Kodak had its amazing run, if you were trading options, instead of, you know, whatever you invested, you made a hundred bucks, it would have been a couple thousand. Right. And that's just the thing with options. And I think this kind of like, there is a bit of a soul searching here because just like nobody has the same style of music taste. I don't think any two investors are are the same size. So like me, like if you're going to start investing, figure out the type, how your brain works. Like me, I'm okay when I figure out how something works in a broader context. Whereas Richie can kind of isolate situations to his advantage and kind of like levers a deal. Like we played a game of Catan, right? The first game of Catan we ever played, um, you, you built me into a trade. And me, I was just like, you know what? Whatever, he's not going to take advantage of me. You said you weren't going to take advantage of me and you did it. So you got yeah. the kind of mentality that like that's an options trader, but I believe I can, separa- I-, I can separate life from the game, you know, like that's, that's ultimately what it is. I separate life from the game. And if, if, you know, I'm playing the game of trading or whatever, I have to separate that from life. And, you know, I'm starting to think now, cause it's like, yeah, I, I you know, just a couple of days ago, I was up like 10 grand and I'm like, I made a fucking car today. You know, I just made my, like, I was looking to thinking of buying a car. I'm like, whatever money I had saved up for that car, I can now buy probably a better car than I was going to buy for free mm-hmm. with this money that I made. And then the next day I lost that same amount. And I'm like, okay, if I start thinking that I'm winning and losing cars, I slow my roll a lot more than yeah. just, you know, watching the account jump up and down. So I think that's the perfect, uh, that's the perfect reason as to why, um, why, like, I think there's a, there's not, you're not able to use the DraftKings app in, in, in New York. I think that's the big problem with the options trading on the Robinhood app. For a lot of these people, the money is not real. They're just numbers on a screen. And, but I, I think the same way you do. I look at it like I lost, you know, this is a TV I've lost. This is, you know, if you put it into a context like that, it's way more easy to stay grounded as opposed to just being like, I just lost these numbers are gone. It's not a, it's not a video game. People look at it like it's a video game, but it's very yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I do think that there is some credence to options trading, but it's just dangerous for outsiders to get into. But we do see day traders. I think you hear that word, you think of your uncle with the three computer monitors. What's your setup for doing your trading like? 
Uh, just one computer, one computer, my phone. That's it. I have a few tabs open. I have a couple discord groups that I follow. Um, I have, you know, different like websites up that I'm doing research on and then a couple like charting and, and trading things. But, you know, I focus more on the, on, on the chart. I, I, I studied some technical analysis back in school. So I do know how to chart and, you know, work with MACDs and RSIs and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you can kind of see where the market sentiment is going just on price action alone. Um, and then again, there's like more of those catalyst plays, whereas like, you know, just a, a really big one is like this YouTube channel, Zip Trader, And he literally just goes down and whenever an account or whenever a company has like an FDA approval coming up, it's, it's not so much that you ride, it's just like earnings almost, you know, you don't actually play a stock through earnings. You buy it a couple of weeks ahead of time, wait for the anticipatory run up of the stock because everybody's excited and they're trying to get in on it and you get right. rid of it. You don't care if they get approved for the cancer, you know, colon cancer drug or not. You're not playing through that. I mean, that. preferably they don't. We live in a population crisis and we want to have clean drinking water for those of us that can dunk a basketball. It's just the way you see the world. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. I never realized that though. Cause it's like you, you're like making your money before, it's like a lot of trading, I think, is not not insider information, but it's like you're playing on a different level than other people are playing. Like you're seeing things that other people aren't seeing. I think that's the big part of it and being able to make your money before. It's like you're like a Navy SEAL. You come in early in the morning, you get your shit done, you leave, and then other people are showing up as you're leaving and you already made your money. It's, I, right, I think that's, right. that's fascinating to me. I think that's one of the things I like the most about trading and stuff. Right. Or... Is it like the Navy SEALs or is it this, is this the same conversations that always exist between brokers and high-level financiers? Did it just move to a fringe corner of the internet that learned how to exploit it, expedite the timeline, and use it to their advantage? Well, there's, you know, there, there is like, there's trackers for dark pool. Like uh, a lot of these alerts that I get, you know, they have access and to AI alerts. What's dark pool? Dark money is like basically the secret big money. They don't do it on big exchanges. So if JP Morgan's going long on Budweiser or whatever, like they're not doing it publicly. They're doing it in this like very kind of backdoor dark money way. Um, and it's not like a public trade, but these groups have act, you know, they, they the, the money or the information gets passed down eventually. And you say, okay, we have all this dark money moving here and you can kind of watch it. And it's like, when a ton of dark money is like going into something, there was a bunch of, you know, there was weird uh, call option activity on Kodak the day before. That's why they're getting investigated now. So a bunch of people knew about Kodak before it happened, but you can either sit there and be mad and call, you know, uh, call conspiracy theory and say that there's insider trading or still say, okay, they're going to make a bunch of money off this. Let's just play that momentum up. It's like what Bacchus did, you know, you, you just, you, you find the momentum and you go with it. You don't, you know, a lot of it was like, I'm sitting around and I'm like, you know, reading COVID stats and watching, you know, pr- Trump, you know, tweets and pressers and all that shit. And I'm like, you know, betting against the market constantly, uh, you know, I would make money constantly. And then I would bet against the S and P index. Cause I'm like, the top is in, it's going to crash again. And the momentum wasn't there. The momentum has been consistently up. It's been in, a, in an uptrend and in a recovery. So quit betting against the momentum. Quit thinking that you're smarter or that you're going to be the big short guys or whatever and just find the momentum of it and you trade with it. And you may not buy in at the bottom and out at the top, but if you're somewhere in the middle and as long as you catch some of that swing, it's great. There was a day three days ago where Tesla rose up like 11%. 
I rode it for 9%. And like, sure, I wanted that last 2%, but I rode 9% of the, the 11% run up. So, right. That's a big just, part of it too, is knowing when to sell and being, you have to, not only do you have to be willing to like, I don't know. There's a certain point where you're like, all right, I have made enough money. You can't be too greedy. Otherwise, you know, 2% is obviously you'd love, like you said, you'd love to have that 2%, but it's rather, it's better to get that 9% as opposed to not selling. And then it drops down to 6% and you exactly, cost yourself yeah. even more. Yeah. And how many stocks are like well-suited to options trading? What makes a stock a good bet for trading options? Uh, I mean, it kind of depends on your bankroll that you have. Like, like right now, Tesla options are incredibly expensive. Um, but I mean, re just about any really. Uh, I mean, some not all stocks have options on them. If there is incredibly low volume or they're really low priced, some some of them just don't even have options playing on them. It's because you're basically betting on the, you know, you're betting on a race that's happening or whatever. And if there's just no race happening, really, then there's then no one's, you know, taking bets. Like, and I, I got to say, I would spend so much money on a Tesla option if the option was I no longer had to talk about Tesla on my podcast. <laughs> Elon Musk, you, you better get used to it, man, because if you're going to be doing a financial podcast, you're going to be talking about Elon Musk forever. I know it. He, he's in the game. I got to learn how to pronounce his baby's name and learn where it goes to school. Hang it, out in the parking lot. Make some it friends. Is, it, it's kind of, it, it's like bookies offer gambling on NBA, but there's no bookie that's going to take my action on the pickup basketball game. You know, I, I actually, right. I do. I did have a guy, but I burned that bridge this week. Thanks to the bucks money line. <laughs> I sent my bookie a text saying, I am not going to pay you. And, uh, we'll figure it out down the line. So I can't wait to see how that goes. That is just my privilege though. I'm six, three and diesel as fuck. And of course, I'm riffing because this is a pop comedy pod first, baby. I <laughs> do you also think, might. I have a question. Sorry. No, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> Why do you do you think Virgo? Options, do you think options uh, for Tesla are so expensive because of the split that's upcoming? Well, it has to do with volatility, and and so there's just so much volatility that's um, worked into it. Like, so the options contract price, and you guys have covered covered this a little. You know, you you have the you're purchasing the option to buy, you know, shares at a certain price. Right. And then there's a premium that goes along with that. So because there's so much volatility in the stock right now, that is worked into the price as well. So, you know, if you think Tesla's going to go up a hundred dollars and you want to buy a call for that, you would think that the, it would just be the difference between the price it is now and that hundred dollars. But the premium is actually somewhere around $300 per share because there's just so much volatility uh, in the in the price right now. So yeah, it has to do with all those things. It has to do with the the monumental increase. It has to do with all the volatility that it's had in the past and that it's expected to continue to have with the battery day coming up. I mean, it, it when you want to go into like big money and all that kind of stuff, it is all priced in. Like battery day coming up on September 18th. And for those of you who don't know, battery day is when you are legally allowed to throw a battery at Elon Musk like he's a Mets outfielder or some shit. Find his home and you celebrate with all of us. Matt, Richie, I know we'll all be there together with our double Ds, not just our old ladies that day. <laughs> <laughs> and let me ask, I, okay, so I've been saying for a little while on the pod that when you buy an option, a, a brokerage turns into a casino. And are these premiums like that are placed on Tesla? Is it 
because they're kind of like the, a public team to a sports book to options traders. Well, I'm not sure I understand the public team. Like they have the most interest, so they're able to charge a premium. People are going to be talking about Tesla. People are going to want to put well, no their money where their conversations are. Well, no one's charging the premium. The, the person who's selling you the contract is charging you the premium. So if I own that contract, it's, it's, all, you know, it's all what people are willing to pay. So if they're all of a sudden just the bottom or Tesla's looking really, really weak all of a sudden, those premiums will just drop through the roof um, because that's just what the market is saying that they're worth. So it's not, the premium doesn't have anything to do with the brokerage. They're not controlling that. You know, the, the contract, the, the options contracts are basically a different stock that's gambling on what the price of this is going to be. So it's, it's not so much a, a premium that the brokerage is, is placing on it. It's just, the, it's what the market is willing to pay right now. So, you know, if you're buying, uh, if you're, if I'm saying that, if I'm buying a contract saying that Tesla is going to be 2,500 bucks by the end of, by Friday of next week, that's pretty outlandish. It's a, you know, $400 raise um, on that price. But if Tesla has a couple meteoric days and all of a sudden they're getting closer to that, people are getting real excited about those all of a sudden and the interest in those and the price of those is going to go through the roof, not just in the value that I've closed going from say 2,100 to 2,300 is trading at, but then the excitement and the, you know, the premium is going to go up a lot higher than that because you know, it's, it's a lot closer that those are going to be uh, in the money. Yeah. And it just seems like there are a lot of correlations between options trading and sports betting and Maybe that's just because I, I like to gamble on sports as a hobby that ruins my life. But I think any novices, I would advise them to go look at how all the different varieties for how you can buy an option, how that breaks down. Then I want you to go to DraftKings, not FanDuel. I want you to go to DraftKings because we own shares in them. <laughs> and I want you to look at all the ver varieties of lines you can, you can buy on a game. Because it just does, it seems like, these things are broken down so much where you can buy any opinion you want on these brokerages. I mean, there's plenty of options. There's no shortage of options, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you can, you can buy any options. And I mean, ideally, you know, and the same thing with, with Kodak is when you see something big like that, that's happening really quick, you know, there's the term bag holder and you don't want to be a bag holder. And so, you know, for someone that's just investing and not looking to get in and out of something, you don't want to be looking at the next meme stock or the next, you know, crazy jump in price or whatever. You don't do that because you're going to be bag holding. And, you know, that's basically, it, go, it gets to the top. You think it's going to keep going up. You grab it and then everybody else gets the hell out of there and you're holding the bag at the top and you're just waiting forever to make your money back. And it's just never going to happen. Like so, what we're doing with Ameren currently. Probably. Yeah. We got rid of it. Uh, we well, I shouldn't say we. I mean, I meant me personally. Oh, you still have it? <laughs> I still have Ameren. I'm down like $300 on that motherfucker. They got sued. They got yeah. sued. They can't sell. Did you get the text I sent you? I, oh, yeah, yeah. The coffee shop. Yeah, things are not well. It's a Thai place. And that, if you ever, this stock ever does so bad, you need to end your life. You got to just blow your brains out at that Thai restaurant. <laughs> and I'll just tell them, you know why, and then I'll do it. <laughs> They'll be like, what? You know what you did. Yeah, he thinks we're a heart attack medication. No, Thai food is very cardio healthy. Well, you know, they're, they're headquarters in Dublin. It's just the headquarters of the company are Dublin, Dublin. So uh, I'm doubling down on their location. <laughs> so Richie, when you started trading, 
what's something you did right that you looked back on and was like, you know what, this helped my course and my decision my, to day trade was made easier by choosing this one facet? Um, I think listening to like finding out about the correct AI signals and that's, you know, like a lot of the trades that are happening nowadays are done by AI, um, artificial intelligence bots. Oh, I thought it was doing... Alan Iverson. He was a day trader. Now it would just be like the same plot as the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's latch, you know, I latched onto one group and I was following just AI signals and kind of doing that kind of religiously. And that's how I made my first little, uh, good bit of money doing it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There was a couple days where um, I I think when I hone in on just a couple stocks and really focus on them and study those charts, um, it's when I start, you know, listening to too many different, you know, oh, this stock's going to go through the roof, this stock's going to go through, you're just listening too much. Like I said, with the unlimited day trading, um, and I was like telling myself that I was diversifying and it was a better, you know, better plan, but then I'd have, you know, the ones that I was paying attention to go up five grand and then the other five crappy ones that I had bought into all dropped, you know, a thousand dollars each and I'm at a wash for the whole day right. uh, for no reason, just because I was, you know, trying to catch too many things at once. So I right. think so you needed to lean out your portfolio. Thin. You can make five good decisions a day, but you can't make 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, more trading isn't always better. More trades aren't always better. You know, if you walk into a casino sometimes and you win your, you win big your first hand, it might be best just to walk away rather than, you know, just continue to play over and over. Cause that's when, that's when the stats come in. That's when the long, you know, the long averages come in and right. the house edge kind of comes in. So yeah. And right. like you're, you're doing day trading like you, it makes all the sense in the world. Cause you're someone who has like what, 15 years of at least kind of casually studying probability and the science of numbers. Right. Yeah. I was, I was studying card counting for a while and that's, you know, yeah, this is just, it's just another hustle for me for right now. Um, and, and were there uh, other forays into the market like this before this incarnation? Um, I, I had done, done a little bit of crypto trading in the past. Um, and then, and then back in college when the whole, you know, market was tanking and everything. Um, my dad, I think had $500 in some account with my name on it. And I took over that and I turned it into like seven grand in college in, nice. like a, in a semester again, just writing up. I think it was like Fannie Mae, which was the, um, person you know, who Fannie, held your student loans yeah Fannie Mae, <laughs> yeah. Fannie Mae and uh, Freddie Mac were two that really tanked and I think I bought a lot of them you know they were trading at like a nickel a stock or something like that they just went down to zero and um rode those up pretty pretty meteorically so so I when you buy an option like if you buy a long-term Tesla option can you get screwed by the stock split or no that all just adjusts the stock splits don't 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 change anything um, really, they don't have any, you know, impact on the, the company's valuation or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's literally turning a dollar into four quarters. Okay. I was just wondering on the loophole about it. I was like, yeah, Tesla stock's got to trade at $1,100. Well, now it's two fifty five. <laughs> no, there was someone that said that too. They were, they were posting, there was some meme going around where they were like, buy Tesla puts. It's guaranteed, you know, you spend 40 grand on Tesla puts. <laughs> Because it's, you know, it's, you get like buy $600 Tesla puts, they're going to go down to that value either way. It's like a, you know, guaranteed thing. It's just the dumbest thing in the world that some people actually might've bought into. 
And I know some of you at home or working out, hopefully, because we only want shredded listeners. True. I know that, yeah, show, send us pictures of your abs. But um, I, I know that's a stupid question to ask, but you know there's going to be people who lose $50,000 because they didn't think that thought beforehand. They're like, yeah, I think I found a loophole. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing of like, you know, people that are screaming that the, it's all going to come crashing down. It may, but, and when it starts, then you, you make the bets that would make money in a down market, but don't try to predict right. it. There's always don't, ways to make money. You make, it's like, we talked a couple weeks ago about volatility. You can yeah, make money when the stock, sweet holes. When, the, <laughs> when the stock market is climbing, you can make money, but when it's also dropping, you can also be making money. People are yeah. jumping out of windows. You're making money. You know, it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. If people are jumping out of windows, buy awning company stock. They're going to land somewhere. They need in, to do it. Or invest in trampolines. Trampolines. <laughs> they land on the trampoline. They launch back up into the window. You save their life. Yeah. Get back to work. We need more iPhones. Exactly. Oh, my God. You guys were talking about Peloton a long time ago. Did you guys invest in Peloton? No, we didn't. No, they were idiots we did. for we decided, it. Oh, man. I... Because, yeah, I've watched that, and that came up in a few alerts, and I just think, I was like, I wonder if they ever did it buy in. Because I remember you guys sitting there in my kitchen talking about, you're like, oh, it's a great company. I think people are going to be doing a lot at home. And I'm like, these are idiots. These guys are idiots. They're not, they don't know what they're talking about. And then Peloton's had a massive run. Yeah. And, I, yep. you know, I, just from my perspective, I just can't see Peloton going anywhere. Well, they're going. No, well, I mean, yeah, what do you mean going anywhere? They're already way up, and they haven't even announced, like, that There's was just a joke because they're, they're a stationary bike company. I make that joke. The two people did fucking comedy. No one gets the joke. They're not going anywhere. Classic joke structure. Put that on a fucking popsicle stick. <laughs> That's, all right. That is pretty funny. I'm sorry. You're right. You think they're going to announce the rowing machines? The rowing machines. Ooh, we, we could be the new Winklevoss twins in our own living room. That's right. Yeah, the climb up, the three-month climb up, the chart, you get the three-month chart, it's just a steady climb with a couple dips in it. But my God, what a yeah. fucking idiot we are for not investing. But, you know, there's still plenty of time to get in. Yeah. yeah I mean, and I, I think it's okay to be wrong. We're here to learn. Peloton, we didn't make the right call. But you know what? It was the right call until the pandemic. Like, we couldn't have foreseen that people were going to be in their home and have the immediate need to exercise. So there were circumstances in the world that happened. And like, do you have any circumstances in the world that might affect your options trades moving forward? Uh, well, I mean, there's, you know, the, I, I was trying to play vaccines for a while. I do think, you know, every, every time, basically anytime uh, vaccine news comes out, travel stocks go through the roof and then they tank back down. Um, but right now it's just, it's a lot of tech. It's a lot of Apple and Tesla and it's just kind of, you know, riding those up. There's not a whole lot else happening because honestly, the, it's, it's insane. The market's completely separated from the, the world right now. And the market is not the economy. People keep thinking the economy's in the tank. So the market must be in the tank. The market and the economy are two different things. So it's just, you know, following, following the market right now with tech and uh, Tesla bubble and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, ultimately, I think what it comes down to, and I'll, I'll just border into conspiracy theory here, but the way I saw it is that I have to do option trading right now. I have to be investing right now because there's like $7 billion that were printed over you know, the last few months. So 
if you guys know anything about stock dilution or anything like that, I mean, the dollars that are sitting in your pockets are becoming worth less and less every single day. So even doubling my money, even turning, you know, I, I think I'm, you know, I started with about 30, I'm around 55,000 right now. I still just think that that's like covering inflation almost. Right. So, yeah, so many dollars were printed. The Fed is stretched paper thin at this point. And, you know, this is the first time in my lifetime that I think there is possibility of real calamity. So it's good you're preparing for that situation. Meanwhile, my robo-advisor has been falsely manipulated to over its pre-corona highs, which doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, to be frank, I will take it. Please be think, frank. You know, these, these, everybody's like, oh, these companies are back to pre-coronavirus highs. Well, there's $7 trillion more dollars. So are they really? Like, if you adjust it for the inflation of the money supply that's in there, I don't really think they are. Right. The I only think- thing that has changed is the money that they were, like, they're being pumped. It's like being, they're, it's being pumped up artificially, right? Right, exactly. So I'm like, of course, the, the, you know, I'm kind of, I, I stopped being this, you know, the, the bearer trying to bet against the market. And I was just like, the, these valuations are going to keep going up because the dollar is worth less and less every single day. So yes, it's going to be, it, you know, I'm just, because again, I'm not holding Apple and thinking that Apple's actually worth more. I'm just betting that Apple's going to be worth more tomorrow than it is today. I'm just betting and- on the fact that, that I think it's going to keep going up. And I think, you know, the big money sees that. So they're like, yeah, of course, Apple's worth about what it was pre-corona because there's, there's double the amount of money around. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going with it. It's like uh, the fact that they're like lowering, lowering. They keep saying that the people, one thing I keep seeing is that people, the number of people filing for unemployment is dropping and they take that as a win. But that's not, those aren't people going back to work. Those are just new people like that aren't losing their jobs. That's what that reminds me of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it's, well, it's people that are also going back to underemployment and making way less, you know, waiters that are forced to go back to work. They're making 20% of the tips that they were making or whatever beforehand. And, but it's, it's anything to get them off the numbers. That's why, you know, some of those states opened up so quickly, like Georgia and everything. It's because they wanted their unemployment. They, they wanted people off unemployment. They right. want you, they'd rather you be going back to making 200 bucks a week rather than having to pay you 600 bucks a week. So right. Back to that $600 a week, we've kind of seen individual day traders lift the market while institutions sat this one out. Do you think they knew that when they gave us the $600 a week? Um, I don't know that they, no, I don't think they saw that happening, but um, that's definitely, I, I believe that has happened quite a bit. But still, most of the you know most of the trades are still being done by institutions. Most of the money that's in the market is is institutional money. Um, there's you know, if you, there's a few of those stupid stories like Hertz, for instance, that was absolutely pumped yeah. up by like Robinhood and shit like that. But right, well, it's like the Reddit. There's Reddits that we follow for things and uh, Wall Street bets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that stuff. It's like, and you know the, what? Regular Reddit Wall Street is not bad either. I know that's the most boomer ass Reddit to go to, but they've got good information there. I mean, there's good information everywhere if you just look at the right. You know, sometimes you have to wade through more bullshit than others, but there's good information everywhere. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, where um, do you think that being said, where do you think you've gotten some of your best info from? I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to give us the exact spot, but do you think that you've gotten no, a great source of information? Oh that- uh, yeah. There's this uh, comedy finance pod. It's called hold my bread. And uh, they got a lot of very good stuff for the listeners out there. If you just want to my big, you sound like a cowboy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs> you partner. Now Put you your options in the sky. <laughs> you can answer the question, Richie. I was just trying to plug us. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's mostly mostly Discord groups. Mostly Discord groups have been great. There's there's one that um that I was in, and it, that's that's more of a chat room style. But the problem with chat room style is that you get people coming in. I, I at one point I had like four Discord groups, and people would come in and they're like, check out this and this. They're supposed to really bounce, and if you just like at first glance, you're like, ooh, okay, what a great tip. And then you say, why is it supposed to bounce? And then they're like, a guy I know said their earnings are going to be great. And I'm like, you really think you know more? You th- right. Okay, so a random chick on a forum is giving me insider information? Like, there's no way. Right. So the problem is on, you know, these groups is that anybody, like, literally, I- I've watched people come in and be like, I'm brand new to this. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you guys explain to me what a call option is? You know, what strike price should I buy? Asking all this shit. Within a week, they're all of a sudden experts and they're telling the new people exactly what to buy, when they should sell, all this shit. So one group I got into, and I also honestly found it off TikTok. It's so, I mean, it sounds so stupid, but it's a trading group and it's just a bunch of technical and technical analysis traders. Um, they have a Discord group where they talk. It's no chat room allowed. There's like 30,000 members, but no one can chat except for like these six guys. And they just post their trades. They're posting their, they, you know, they know what they're doing as far as technical analysis. They're charting shit all day long. They're like, here's a bear flag forming. Here's a bull flag forming, blah, blah, blah. They're very transparent with their trades. And so following them has been pretty good. And they preach a lot of like, you know, uh, credit spreads and a lot less risky options uh, rather than just naked calls, naked puts that uh, most people are playing. Interesting. Okay. And, now- and we talked about your successes. Can, what's the worst? What could, if you could take back one thing about the last six months, what would it be? And don't say losing your grandparents. No, this goes <laughs> or the airlines. Uh, no, the airlines wasn't even the worst one. I think I had one day where I was down 18,000. And aye, aye, aye. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even, it was just, it's honestly, it's one of those things where it, it is a gambler's kind of thing where I think I started the day off down 3000 and I said, you should really just like, you should make a rule for yourself when you're down a couple thousand, you walk away. But I stuck in and I kept trading and I was like, I can trade my way out of it. I didn't go big and go crazy, you know, but I just kept trying to make trades when I was just having an off day. And I ended the day down 15,000 or 15, gambler, 16, is that the gambler's fallacy? Isn't that what you, you warned me about that before? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was. And, and more than anything, but it's just like, yeah, you do have to just take days if, if it's just not happening for you take the couple thousand dollar loss and just like live to trade another day because. And can you give me a pep talk about the gambler's mentality? Because I don't know if you, if you know this at no point in NBA history have both number one seeds lost in this year, both number one seeds lost. I was on the wrong side of the money line for both of that. And at that moment, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't chase it. it. Was I feel like a coward. Listening to you talk about losing cars, I'm just like, you know what? You're not a real man. Did I do the right thing cutting ties? 
No, you're you're uh, I don't know if it's PC, but you're a bitch, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, sorry, you had to hear I, it this way, Joel. Hey, hey, you know, better for you than from my primary care physician. I mean, what 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 do we? What'd you lose? What'd you lose to the guy? Uh, are, we, around, are we talking two-ish. dollars? Two ish. Two ish. Yeah. I lost that my first week betting with that guy and paid him within an hour of him Venmo requesting me because yeah, I was on a run. Yeah, and it's just like, if that's going, it's just like, I got to a sick figure of numbers I was uncomfortable with and I was just like, I got to get out of whatever zip code I'm in right now. I called yeah. the Uber. <laughs> Back well, to and, Arizona. And that's the thing too, is like I've always said with gambling, when it comes to gambling period, I know that I have this in me where I want to see a number that makes me walk away. If I'm, if I go into the casino or whatever, and I will, I will just flat out gamble. I'm not always an advantage. I'm not, you know, I do, I did learn advantage play with blackjack and card counting and all that. But sometimes I do just want to gamble. I have money and I want to play with it. So when I go in, I have 400 bucks for slot machine plays or whatever, then I'll go and play that down. And I either want to see like two or 3000 or I want to see zero. And really any number in between is I might as well, not be, not have gone at all yes richie yes god that's exactly how i feel i love so, that. I, that i'm the i'm the same way absolutely I go, in, I go in with an amount that i am willing to lose and it's just either get me to zero or a pretty decent you know changing life-changing amount of money uh-huh. um but like when i went to atlantic city recently with my girlfriend and like we turned like 400 into 800 and she's like i'm done and i'm like okay you know i'm with you i'm having fun i'm not gonna like go all crazy with this but that was like, it was kind of pointless for me. I'm like, all right, yeah, a couple hundred bucks, you know, but to risk 400 to make 400, I'm just like, eh, it's fine. I'm the same way, dude. I, there's been so many times where I've walked out of casinos with nothing in my pocket because I don't, I don't know if what's wrong with what, I don't know what it is, but I would rather walk away with $0 than just break even or make $50. Making $50 is is not a win. It's not a win. People leave reviews at casinos. They're like, great day. I've I've got a couple drinks, made 20 bucks. I'm just like, is that what your fucking day is worth? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You got to understand, these are the ruminations of people who are somehow not broken. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Like, they they stare in the mirror and they feel fine at what's looking back at them. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, the average day, it it is, it's, it's, uh, you know, a decent time commitment. Um, I've tried to find a more balance with it of just like, you know, getting up in the morning, starting with the market, make a couple trades and uh, just letting them kind of, you know, sit over the day um, and not, you know, just like focus on it so much, but it's, it's a tough balance to strike. It's a tough balance and you learned your, your craft. So if people do want to do options, do you recommend they trade or what's a step they could take to get where you are? I don't want anyone to try and hear this podcast and replicate what Richie's done. I've tried to be Richie before. I kind of know what I've been doing, but I've gotten burned bad. What can, what's the easiest thing someone listening can do? Paper trade. hundred percent. Go to think or swim. You can go. I know think or swim has a really good paper trade um, option and you get the full, you know, uh, it, so TD Ameritrade, Thinkorswim is their trading platform where you can do all the options and everything. Um, learn, just never stop learning. And, and again, when anybody says this is supposed to go up, anything that's certain, there's no certainty in this market. It's all gambling. You know, you can do probabilities and everything, but um, open up a paper trading account. You're trading with fake money. And if you do great the first time, it doesn't mean go throw your life savings. You can't, you know, you're not going to make lightning strike twice. 
but you can easily, you know, explore this at least through like tons of YouTube videos. Um, you know, there's, there's like zip trader is one of those guys that does a lot of those catalyst plays on YouTube. Um, there's, you know, just tons of channels that will literally just explain and, you know, don't get me wrong, but like I, I have put, I don't know, several hundred hours into watching YouTube videos and studying this and, and charting and everything else. So I, I, you know, I may not give myself the credit. Um, at first I may just want to be like, ah, I'm just screwing around and lucky, but I have put, you know, several hundred hours into studying this. Um, and I recommend anybody that's going to do that is do the same. There's so much to learn and you just keep making dumb mistakes. Um, you know, holding things through earnings and, you know, you got to learn about implied volatility uh, when it comes to options, there's just so much. So play with a paper right. trading account. Don't and put I, your own money in there. And I think you're going to want to have a little bit of an OCD in your makeup to be a successful options trader. Like you just have to be on top of your shit. If you're a laid back person, just go be the bogo head, get your robo advisor. There's a style of finance for everyone and Richie's might not be for you. If you try and be Richie, there's a chance you're eating dog food for dinner. It's a very proactive, it's very proactive. You have to be, you have to be willing to learn. It's like a couple episodes back where we were like, we couldn't, where are we gonna try and read a chart or we are gonna maybe chart a stock and people, you know, it's crazy. People spend thousands of dollars to go to school to learn these things and people think they can just do it. They can just figure it out. And it, you are, it seems like you're very proactive in the fact that, you know, you know, a big part of knowledge is knowing what you don't know. And, right, uh, right. and I think yeah. that's, it's great. But he it shows- also has a business degree from a good, in, good school as right. his undergraduate. So he has that baseline of knowledge to know what he doesn't know. Right. Yeah, I, I think agree. that's important with just about anything. Anytime anybody try to tries, I mean, unless somebody's like a bona fide expert, I'm just like, like you know, if someone comes off sounding too cocky or too confident, like I, I still I know nothing, and I'm okay with that. And I'd rather you know keep that because that keeps you learning. So um, there's plenty to learn about trading stock options. Um, I know that this has been a very fruitful time to trade stock options, but like you know, you can always you can make money in any market. Um, you know, reverse index funds and, and all sorts of things. And there's always, you know, something that's jumping and popping off. So bear bull robbing a seven 11, there's money to be had in any market. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, what speaking of seven 11, didn't speedway get bought out by seven 11. That was a huge deal. That just happened. Ooh, is that real? That, that's I'm pretty sure. Huge. That is huge. Cause speedway has the best breakfast. If they just seven 11, please learn from speedway breakfast. They've been Are they even publicly job. traded. Uh, I think Speedway is. I don't know about 7-Eleven. Interesting. Let me look. Let me look this up real quick. I'm pretty sure 7-Eleven buys 3,900 Speedway stores in a 21 billion dollar deal. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if either company is publicly traded, but it's just funny that you brought up 7-Eleven, and and uh, that's what I. Could, that's all I could think of because we never had. Being from Indiana, I don't really know if there are any Indiana or any 7-Eleven in Indiana that I know of. But really? there are a lot of Speedways in Indiana, so. Uh, now this, the speedways are all being converted to 7-Eleven. We'll build a network of 14,000 convenience stores in the United States. Big moves. Big moves. Cool. In the hot well, dog I, world. I think S- we're... SVNDF, that's the stock. Really? For, 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 for what is that? Speedway or 7-Eleven? Uh, 7-Eleven. Okay. Well, so it's maybe... that's 7 and I Holdings. 
Ah. Let's get it. That's our pick for the week. We like 7-Eleven. <laughs> well, no, I was going to ask, we should let Richie do the pick. Do, do you have anything that you're looking for? Because I know there's always stuff to, there's always earnings coming up. There's always people reporting things coming up. Is there anything coming up in the next couple of weeks that you have your eye on that you're like, all right, I'm going to keep, uh, keep a look on this at all? Um, I'm still staying in tech. I think tech has more, uh, the tech sector is still just kind of running and it is crazy, but Apple, um, Apple and Tesla, you know, everybody was saying that uh, Friday, last Friday was the last day to like get in before the stock split or whatever. Um, that's, that's false. The, the stock split is next Friday. Um, last Friday was when the stock was being like, that's when the company recorded the split. Um, but the, the anticipatory run up of Tesla is you to happen through this week so i'll be watching it not saying that it's like an absolute buy monday morning but um, i do think there's going to be some amount of run-up over the next week in tesla um, same thing with apple they're also doing the split on the 31st so those are my big ones that i'm watching that i yeah, did that pretty sense. well on last week and i'm going to continue to watch through next week that makes sense yeah that's i think that's what we mentioned actually in our last episode was apple and tesla are, are going to be good options i have i actually have a kind of a selfish question to ask you then because sure. so i i have I have Tesla stock. I have, I bought in at about 200, 200. I have three shares. I bought in at about 200. It is closed uh, on Friday at 2042. Does it, is this stupid? I should just hold that. Just keep holding it until the split. Because part of me was like, what if you, what if you sell your stock at a profit and then buy back in when it splits? Is that stupid? It's yes. the same. Okay. Stock. Okay. Okay, that's what I was making sure. It's, I'm making it's, sure. It's, like, you know. it's, 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 you're literally turning, you know, it's literally like breaking, uh, if one share of Tesla is a dollar bill, they're breaking each share into 10 dimes and giving you two dimes per, you know, like okay. each share is now two dimes. You're, you're literally okay. breaking the same amount of money. Yeah, but I do other, think that The Tesla's other day, Matt, have... Matt called me and he said, hey, should I have this 14-inch diameter pizza with eight slices or should I have this 14-inch <laughs> diameter pizza with six slices? I don't know. I'm, I'm not, no, I don't know if I'm hungry enough to eat eight. Yeah, is this a stupid joke. move? Yeah. Shut up, Joel. Continue, Richie. Let, like, can we just end with blonde jokes using the Tesla stock split? Let's each go around and make one. We've, we're over an hour. Let's give our listeners a bit of candy. I don't know any blonde jokes. Yeah, I only know the one. I uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, hey why, wait, hold on. Why was um, why was Elon Musk's son uh, staring at the orange juice? <laughs> why? <laughs> because it said concentrate. Oh, that's uh, good. I like that. Uh, okay, so um, a plane is going down, and there's three people in it, but only two parachutes. There's a, a guy who sold Tesla before the stocks, but a guy. Who, who didn't sell Tesla before the stock split and a priest. And the first thing, the guy who sold his Tesla, he, he grabs a parachute, he jumps out of the, the, the airplane. He doesn't want to go out like Kobe. And then um, he, the priest says, you know what, I've lived a full life. I'm ready to meet my maker, uh, go ahead. And then the guy who didn't sell his Tesla says, it's all right. The guy who sold his Tesla stock before the stock split took my backpack. <laughs>